You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz with Mankir and Audula. And our Hands Against Racism campaign is on where we talk to people across different sectors on the impacts of racism. Recently, Lily Gladstone became the first Indigenous woman to win a Golden Globe for her acting. And we're going to have a conversation about this moment, what it means, and what are some of the barriers that Indigenous filmmakers face. We are now speaking to Doreen Manuel, award-winning filmmaker and educator, the principal owner of Running Wolf Productions and the director of the BOSA Center for Film and Animation at Capilano University. Doreen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, of course, I want to have your reaction to Lily Gladstone's win at the Golden Globes for Best Actress. What did you think of that moment? I was really excited for our people because it's a, it's a benchmark, so proof that we are being accepted into the industry and that we're being recognized for our accomplishments and for where we have evolved to. I, at the same time, I was a little, I don't know what the right word is, not sad, but little, I, I recognize also in that moment that we have real, what we consider marquee actors who have been in the industry for almost 50 years, like Tantu Cardinal, who has dedicated her entire life to this craft and has not been given those kind of opportunities. She's been in some remarkable films like and she's, she's acted off with some remarkable non-Indigenous actors like Kevin Costner, uh, Brad Pitt, Anthony Hopkins. But she hasn't been given a role, given the opportunity to have a role like this with a leading role in a major film under a major director acting opposite major actors. Because that kind of a film gets played throughout the entire world. Dances with Willis did a lot of, for her career, but... You know, she wasn't a major role. She was a big role, but she wasn't a major role in the film. And so I, I had a feeling, you know, some sort of a feeling happening, thinking about where, how we got to where we are. It was those kind of trailblazers that got us here. And, you know, I look at the black community and hear the struggles of like Taraji, the kind of struggle she, she's had. And yet she has had all the support of really well-known directors like Tyler Perry. You know, they have a, a big community in Hollywood. We have no community in Hollywood. So I'm also looking and comparing and wondering, does this actually mean anything for us? Will that actually carry us, you know, the same way it carried the black community when they started getting awards, started being recognized for their work? Does that mean more roles for our people? Because that's really what would make a difference is if it does. I'm really happy for Lily. I'm really happy for their community and their family. And and it, it was just a really exciting time. And our community is still riding on that excitement. You see it all over TikTok. I mean, it's brought a lot of joy to our community. Certainly. And I, I'm really glad you brought up uh, Taraji because she has definitely been in the news for a lot of her conversations just as the challenges of, you know, being a minority in this industry. And like you said, I think with the black community is that there is quite a setup. You have people both not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera. And do you think that when we talk about the indigenous community, or even other minorities that we don't really see in film, do you think part of it is the fact that there aren't enough people behind the scenes? Absolutely. I believe that which is why, you know, the last 20 years of my career has been focused on training Indigenous people through the Indigenous Digital Filmmaking Program at Capilano University. And then I founded a multi-million dollar fund called the Indigenous Digital Accelerator so I could have more freedom to develop other types of programs that didn't necessarily fit within the university academia framework. 
partnership that I set up with the Indigenous Green Office and TELUS, we delivered the first Filmmakers in Indigenous Leadership and Management Business Affairs training program. And we ran through a group of advanced producers and we took them, sent them to Khan, and they were the very first Indigenous delegation from North America to go to Khan. And now we're working to send a smaller group of those producers to Content London. We're just pulling together the funding to do that. Because a lot of these travel funds that are available are absolutely brilliant and wonderful, like what Creative BC offers, Canada Arts Council, ISO, but they only give the filmmaker a small grant that doesn't cover the full travel. When I send a delegation like that, I pay for everything because it makes it realistic that they can actually go and afford it and be away from their families and not have to worry about money. Um, so now I'm gearing up to deliver the next round of film by call it Filmmakers and Indigenous Leadership and Management Business Affairs Training, the acronym is FILMBA, but this one will be for beginner filmmakers. Programming like that is invaluable. So what I do is I'm always scanning the industry. I'm on the Motion Picture Producers Industry Association of BC Equity and Inclusion Committee. And I'm always in connection with unions and with with everybody in the industry trying to figure out where can my people fit in? What's the best next fit for them? That's why I, I did the assistant training program, assistant director training program. And um, I'm always fighting with the unions. I mean, it's not really a fight as in we're yelling at each other, but it's like I'm always bringing up pathway programs. We need pathway programs to get our people into the unions because when I go on set, I mean, we're just not, we just don't exist there. We can't get into the union. There's a costume designer here in Western Canada. She was trained in L.A. over 15 years ago. She's been in D.C. working on pretty big shows like Bones of Crows and um, Red Snow and Monkey Beach. She is the only fully trained professional Indigenous costume designer in all of Western Canada. She is not in the union. Wow. I know, right? We only have two really fully trained location sound people that are really at least like constantly working in the industry in all of BC. There are only a very tiny handful of really well-trained camera people. Now, there are a lot of people who want to get into the camera or location sound, but they can't get a break. They don't get hired by the union shows, and so they just ping pong around the little independent shows. So people just are not hiring my people. So I'm always on producers to hire Indigenous, especially if it's an Indigenous show. And I, I like that you brought that up because going back to Lily Gladstone's film, one of the conversations about Killers of the Flower Moon was that there was a lot of um, concern and sort of complex feelings coming from Indigenous creatives saying, okay, it's great. There's this film where we're seeing our community out there in this big Hollywood film. However, the person telling the stories isn't, it isn't Indigenous people working behind the scenes. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that whole discourse. I mean, what do you make of that? It's really problematic to have non-Indigenous directors telling our story because the director really is the, the creative force behind the entire story. 
And if they don't really understand our community and our people and the nuances and what's important to us, they can't tell our story properly. It's still a non-Indigenous story. Um, and it's still colonization. They've colonized our stories right from the beginning of the creation of the Hollywood Indians to today. And they're still doing it. There's no reason why they can't all get behind an Indigenous director and help them develop their craft of directing by giving them the opportunities to tell stories. Very few of those great, so-called great directors um, wound out great shows as soon as they, I mean, have you seen Scorsese's early works? A lot of people might say they were genius, but I found a lot of flaws in them. I still like them. I mean, I'm appreciative. I, I like to see a person's evolution, but he didn't start out great. And I compare him a little bit to Spielberg in that when Spielberg did The Color Purple, he actually had the writer, the black writer, on set with him, and he talked her into going on set with him. And he really listened to her, and he really coaxed her out to give her opinion. And I feel a lot in The Color Purple. I, I love watching that movie. I can really feel the community and the sense of people in that film. And I, I think if Spielberg had just told it all by himself, I'm not sure we would have got there. I know that Scorsese had consultants. Even one of the consultants himself, I saw a TikTok of him, and he said he didn't feel like the story was told from an Indigenous perspective. Like, he would have liked to have seen it. Even he was talking about how Scorsese wasn't the right person to tell this story. So when the consultant themselves is saying something like that, it makes, and he's both saying he's from that territory. And, you know, I would go so far as people have to, if it's going to be somebody from outside of the nation telling it, if a director from outside of the nation, that director should live amongst the people to get a really strong sense of the people. But none of that exists because directors like Scorsese just gloss over the subject and nobody slows down to stop and think about it. One thing I am noticing, right, like when we talk about films and representation and you know social media is one of those spaces where some of us have a love-hate relationship but I will say one of the things that social media has really done is started these kinds of conversation you know what is authentic representation you know sort of telling these filmmakers hey like why not consider doing something else something different why don't we see more of this why don't we see for instance in this film more indigenous creatives involved in the project so in your experience Doreen because we're having more of these conversations about representation are you kind of seeing moves being made where things are getting just a little bit better because there's kind of that growing push to see more authentic representation I'm seeing an opportunity to be more outspoken I mean, when I first started in the film industry and I was as outspoken as I am now, people just ignored me. They just shut me down. And had I been a less confident person, I probably would have just shut down and gone off and made my little films and just did my little thing. But I saw there was a real need for leadership because, you know, a lot of filmmakers, they can't speak openly because if they do, they get blackballed and then they stop getting roles. They stop getting jobs. So they come and tell me, and I'm the local one. I'm the one calling the union out or calling this person or that person out to their face and having the discussion. I don't call people out. I have a discussion with them. Sometimes I'm on the phone for hours to one particular filmmaker, just, and we reason it all out, we talk it all out, and then they change their behavior. And that's what makes a real uh, a difference in the industry is when you can change things. 
So that brings me over to, I was a forest firefighter at one time. I was up in the forest fighting fire and um, it was almost all indigenous people. So up until a few years back, 19 of the 21 uh, full firefighter crews were all indigenous. People don't know that. And, um, but when you're watching the news in the evening, it was all white people they were interviewing. So you would have thought it was all white people fighting those fires. So I stopped a CBC reporter one time and camera person and I said, tell me how many white people you see here percentage wise. And they went 10%. And I said, then why is it every night when I watch the news, all I see is them, not us brown people? What the heck? And the camera person said something that I thought was really important. He said, because I shoot what I know. And I said, well, stop doing that. Shoot the truth. And he said, I will. And then after that, I would watch the news and I saw brown people. So um, what's changed is that we are becoming more outspoken and people are accepting it and wanting to hear it. I am now asked to speak often because they want to hear the truth and they want to hear what they can do to help and what they can do to change things. And Doreen, I've really appreciated talking to you, and I wish I had way more time to speak to you. But I guess my one question to you is for us is, what does it mean to be, if you could briefly summarize it, like to be an ally? And how can we sort of lift each other up here? Being an ally means learning the history. What is actually happening? What happened to the Hollywood Indian? How, how have Indigenous people been damaged in real, like in real life, but Hollywood damaged us by changing how people saw us. The curriculum in the schools doesn't include us. Still doesn't, even today. It's antiquated uh, history that is being taught to the children today. Teach your children. Teach your nieces and nephews about the truth of what has happened. I'm a residential school survivor. I was physically horribly tortured in that school. Find out the truth. I'm not that old. And there's actually younger residential school survivors than me that are out there. It's not a thing of the past. It just happened yesterday. So examine the history. Build your own education and connect to us. Think about us whenever you're hiring. Reach out into our community and find us because we desperately want to be working and collaborating with everybody. Doreen, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much.